Welcome back to Series Regular, the Hollywood Reporter's all-in podcast on genre television. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wigler, your host here on Series Regular. And this week, we're blurring the line between TV and film just a little bit. But really, what we're doing is following Marvel Studios' lead. Because on July 20th, 2019, in the hallowed ground of Hall H at the San Diego Convention Center, Marvel Studios president and Marvel Cinematic Universe mastermind Kevin Feige graced Comic-Con with his presence, bringing a whole lot of friends with him to introduce Phase 4 of the MCU, the first official state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe union following the release of Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. According to Feige and his who's who roster of special guests, Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a lineup of stories beginning in the spring of 2020 and lasting through the fall of 2021. Unlike previous phases, Phase 4 will be a mix of films and television series, launching on the upcoming Disney Plus streaming service that debuts this fall. The lineup, for those who have not yet heard it, Black Widow, hitting theaters on May 1st, 2020, followed by The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which debuts as a TV show on Disney Plus in August 2020, followed by The Eternals, a movie releasing in theaters on November 6th, 2020, starring Angelina Jolie and everybody else on the planet. Not really everybody else on the planet, but a lot of people. Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, yet another film that is hitting theaters on February 12th, 2021. WandaVision, premiering on Disney+, Plus, yet another TV show in the spring of 2021, which is expected to lead into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, a feature film that is hitting theaters on May 7th, 2021, also starring Elizabeth Olsen, who is appearing in WandaVision. Loki, a Loki TV show expected to premiere on Disney Plus in what's shaping up to be a very busy spring of 2021. Marvel has an animated series, What If, that is premiering on Disney Plus in the summer of 2021. There's Hawkeye, yet another TV series that is hitting Disney Plus in the fall of 2021, starring Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye himself. And then the last announced film of the Marvel Phase 4 lineup is Thor, Love and Thunder, awesomely titled, hitting theaters on November 5th, 2021. Beyond all of that, Feige says there are Phase 5 plans already slated out, the particulars of which are yet to be revealed, though we at least know it's going to involve sequels to Black Panther and Captain Marvel, there's going to be another Guardians of the Galaxy, there's going to be a Blade reboot starring Mahershala Ali in the lead role originally originated by Wesley Snipes, and there's very likely some form of Fantastic Four reboot and X-Men project or two in the pipeline as well. So, that's a lot of information to process, even if you're a diehard MCU fan, let alone if you're a casual fan of these properties. And it's way too much for me to process on my own. So for this week's series regular, I thought it would be wise to bring in some experts. Joining me for the podcast today are two heroes from the Heat Vision corner of the Hollywood Reporter shared universe, Aaron Couch and Patrick Shanley. Guys, thank you for joining me. Thank you. It is great to be here, Josh. This is really just a giant excuse for me to to nerd about uh, something that typically falls under your purview, and it is just like so happening to like accidentally slightly fall under mine. So this is a, a happy, happy excuse for some overlap for me today. Yeah, we're all in a shared universe now, Josh. 
Yes. All right. So a lot to talk about. Let's hop right into it. First of all, first reactions to the phase four slate, 10 different projects, five movies, five TV shows announced. Uh, Aaron, for you, what are some of the biggest surprises on here in terms of the content as far as how it's following on the heels of Endgame, the new box office champion of all time? Yeah. I mean, we knew the bare bones of some of these projects just from, you know, trade reporting and stuff, but the, the big surprises were the zaniness of the titles. You know, I mean, they're, they're crazy titles. And then the, the other two were the Mandarin. He's going to be in Shang-Chi. So this, the Mandarin has been teased since Iron Man 1. So this, is, this guy's been hiding out longer than Thanos. Uh, and the, uh, the other huge surprise, Natalie Portman, who, you know, was kind of famously not that happy with Thor The Dark World. Patty Jenkins was supposed to direct it, then she didn't. She's back as Thor. So that, that was another huge surprise. Yeah, the the mighty Thor adapting that great Jason Aaron run. I think uh, a lot of people were really surprised to find out that Natalie Portman would be coming back, especially in this uh, this capacity. And as you mentioned, the Mandarin, he was in the works for the original Iron Man. I know you guys have a great story up on Heat Vision right now about how, as you say, this is a this is a villain that's been baked into the MCU since even before Thanos. We love Tony Stark three thousand, and even though he's gone, you know some of his legacy still remains here as we're moving into Phase. For, which is pretty neat. I just hope the Mandarin is not an ex-Stark employee who's now mad and becomes a villain. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be amazing, he's, though? <laughs> yeah, he's just proficient with hologram technology. Obviously, spoilers for everything through Spider-Man Far From Home, by the way. We did not give you uh, the, the prerequisite at the top of this podcast, Oops. but I hoped that it was at least assumed. Gentlemen, Phase 4, it's blending film and TV like never before. You know, we're a long way away from the MCU movies and shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Netflix dramas occupying the same universe, but in very, very different corners. We knew that something like this was coming up. A lot of these Disney Plus shows had been reported already, but now they are officially confirmed. And for me, I was really struck by the fact that they were that they were announced in this sort of big, epic, Kevin Feige-style fashion alongside the feature films. Patrick, what do you, what do you make of this, sort of the, the elevation of the importance of the Disney Plus streaming series? I think it's exciting because it speaks to the quality of what these Disney Plus shows will probably have for them. What I will say, though, is that Marvel now dominates every moment of everyone's free time. If you want to keep up yes. with this entire saga now, you used to have to watch, what, 22 films at this point, 21 films at this point. Now you have to watch television series on top of them because they could all weave back into each other. At a certain point, I wonder if there's an oversaturation mark, but... If that existed, I think we would have already passed it. So who knows? Yeah, I, I think like if it was, you know, they, they're announcing ten projects, and if it was if, if it was ten movies for for Phase Four, it already would have been a lot. You'd be talking about roughly twenty hours of story. We're talking about well past that. Oh with, yeah, with these streaming shows. But the great thing about this is that unlike the Netflix shows, which myself, uh, you know, a big Marvel guy, that just fell off and stopped watching because that was forty five, you know, hours of content a year. These shows are probably going to be six episodes, or they might be eight episodes. They won't have that kind of silly mandate of, this needs to be 13 episodes, even though the story doesn't at all support it. So, so there is a plus here, you know, a Disney plus here, where, oh. where uh, you know, hopefully... We like puns on series regular. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you. <laughs> bad, bad humor abounds in this corner then of the podcast. Then you got the right two guys for your podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So that's my saving grace. 
I think to your point, one of the things I was going to ask, and it feels like it's kind of a no-brainer. If you're if you're an MCU completist, Disney Plus now becomes essential. Like bravo to to Kevin Feige, who who should get all of the bonuses in the world from Disney for really making sure that this story that people have been charting, and especially as we are embarking on you know a new saga, presumably the Infinity Saga that charted from Iron Man through Avengers Endgame being closed, that you really need this service in order to keep up. I suppose you could read Wikipedia, but where's the fun in that? Aaron, you would, you would agree, right? That this is, if, you're, if you want to be all in on the MCU, you're going to need Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting that, you know, I mean, the, the Netflix shows Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tied in in theory, but they really didn't. I mean, they never felt like essential viewing. I didn't feel like I was missing anything once I, you know, after season two of some of these shows, I stopped watching. It did not matter at all, you know. So, yeah, I mean, getting the movie stars, that's that's really what makes this seem legitimate, right? I mean, it's actually the characters you've seen on the big screen for, for years and years at this point. Patrick, do you think that the information is going to translate to a mainstream audience? Like, do you think that people are going to get lost in this? For example, do you think that somebody walks out of Avengers Endgame, doesn't, you know, think about the Marvel Universe every single waking moment of their lives, unlike the rest of us here, and gets ready for that next movie after Spider-Man Far From Home and Black Widow is the next thing on their radar? Do you think that the fact that they are going to get their next dose of, you know, Sam Wilson potentially becoming the next Captain America, but that is going to exist in this streaming service realm, that it's not going to be something theatrical, that they're going to have to expand their viewing habits to include this new service, this new avenue. I think we're already mainstream with the MCU in a really big way. And one of the most impressive things to me about the MCU is that it's basically Star Wars now, right, where everyone knows what it is. It'd be strange to run into somebody who doesn't know who Darth Vader is. But at this point, the MCU already has that, and it's only taken them 10 years to get there, where it has such a saturation that almost everyone seems to know every new iteration that comes out of it, every new step that it takes, people seem to already be in the loop for. So I don't think it's going to be hard for them to translate to a more casual audience uh, on the streaming services. I actually think the streaming services maybe will apply to more of a hardcore audience. I think if you're going to seek something out and invite it into your home in that way, then maybe that's more of a hardcore audience than actually a, um, a less mainstream audience for these Disney Plus shows. And it, again, it helps that they have... I, I'm shocked that they were able to get all of these movie stars to agree to do these shows. You know, characters they played on screen now, they have to say, oh, we're going to do a TV show for years. Your character doesn't get a standalone movie now. You're going to be on television. Right. But I mean, you get like, if you're Jeremy Renner and you've been hoping for the Hawkeye movie, which is very optimistic thinking, I think, uh, <laughs> the fact that, 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 you, that you're going to wind up with, you know, potentially a six hour character study, which is going to be, you know, potentially a deeper dive into this character than, you know, even some of the great Marvel Cinematic Universe movies could allow because of the runtime. But you wonder just about the about the budget thrown behind that, that, that makes such a thing possible. Uh, we know that these are going to be airing on Disney+. Plus, Aaron, do we have any any sense or any any thinking that there could be some theatrical component to this? Or do we really think that, you know, shows like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, these are just going to be the sole provenance of Disney Plus? I don't think there's any information on that other than, you know, I would guess, who knows, maybe they'll do one of these crazy Marvel movie marathons where they, you know, show the series of WandaVision before Doctor Strange 2, which, you know, that show is going to lead into that. But yeah, as far as I know, no plans for it for the big screen. 
All right. I'd love to get your takes on the shows that have been announced and have been revealed already, specifically starting with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is going to be the first one up in the, I, I believe it's going to be uh, August 2020, if I'm remembering that right. What are your expectations for this, Patrick? Sam Wilson gets the shield at the end of Avengers Endgame. I'm surprised that this isn't just, you know, a surprise Captain America show, that it wasn't revealed as such at Comic-Con. What was your take on that? Did you have any expectation that maybe the title was just a placeholder and this was actually going to be Captain America, the TV series? Right. I mean, yeah. Well, what if it is a Captain America <laughs> series? Because uh, uh, Anthony Mackie came out on stage and he was holding Captain America's shield, which we saw him holding right. at the end of uh, Endgame. So we know that he is, in theory, the new Captain America. I think the title is more of a, uh, a misdirect, and it actually will be about that. I'll say that I'm personally excited for this one, maybe more than the other ones, only because the Captain America trilogy was my favorite from the MCU so far, and because I love Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan a lot, so I like to see their interplay. I thought they were so good together in that uh, there's small scenes together that we got in uh, Civil War, and uh, I think... It's just in Civil War, I think, where they share the screen and where they're in that little car right. sharing time together. I think they have a great chemistry. I'm excited to see what this show is. And I hope it kind of continues that spy-y noir that uh, the Captain America films had with the Russo bros. I think it's 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 great in terms of flow of what we're getting into in Phase 4, which seems like it's just going to get progressively much weirder along the way that we're, we're, we're starting off with Black Widow, which a lot of questions around that considering the character's fate in Endgame, but theoretically it should be fairly meat and potatoes spy stuff where Falcon and Winter Soldier, if it's kind of following from that Captain America Winter Soldier mode that the Russos set up, borrowing from the, the Ed Brubaker comic books, that it should probably, it should probably follow suit. Aaron, are you expecting that as well, that, that maybe what we should expect from Falcon and the Winter Soldier is something that's sort of a closer cut to the Captain America trilogy, especially those uh, the, those latter two films that the Russos came out with. Yeah, I think so, and we need that because everything else is so nuts in, in this lineup. Other than maybe Hawkeye, everything else is going to be pretty crazy. So, yes, we, we 100% need them to continue that Winter Soldier-type vibe. Hawkeye is exclusively about hot dog condiments and... It's a cooking show. It's a closet cooking show, and it's it. going to be fantastic. I mean, so would I. I they, they've got my money. WandaVision. You know, speaking of getting very weird and experimental, I think that even it, there's so many questions about it. We know that it's going to star Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany reprising Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Vision is dead. We don't know how that's going to work. He is very, very dead as far as it stands in the current timeline of the Marvel Cinematic universe and just from from what i was following from a distance from this comic-con presentation weren't they basically both rolled out on stage being like yeah this is going to be weird you've definitely not seen anything like wandavision before this is going to be a very strange show well we know that wanda in the comics you know she's experienced loss before in this house of m series that from 2005 and she ended up reshaping reality kind of after a, a personal loss so i i've heard and i think it tracks that Maybe she creates a pocket dimension or something where, where Vision is alive still. Um, I, that, that's kind of my guess. Is it possible, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but because the name of this show is very strange to me, and it's WandaVision with no spaces, and they're smushed together, Vision was already a, an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different people, and there's like an, an entire speech about that in Infinity War that uh, Bruce Banner gives to Vision when he's wanting to sacrifice himself, whatever it is. 
is this Wanda? Maybe Vision becomes like a part of Wanda. Maybe Wanda is like controlling Vision. I think there's something to the title because it's a weird title, and I think there's more to it. In fact, I think there's a lot to all of these titles more than we might be thinking. I like that. You got to imagine that Paul Bettany would be thrilled to just become a voice again rather oh, yeah. than have to to put on and all of the the huge vision makeup uh, effects and could just kind of, you know, go back to his Jarvis days and be a voice in Wanda's head. <laughs> if you could be a superhero and wear sweats while you're doing it, then that's that's the golden gig right there. That's the dream. Yeah. That's the dream. I think that either way, the fact that, you know, WandaVision, that there that there is a show that Marvel is building around the Scarlet Witch, around Elizabeth Olsen, who, you know, a supporting character in many ways for her time in the MCU thus far, has a really big blockbuster moment in Avengers Endgame. A great arc through Infinity War, but really that moment in Endgame where she returns and has this stand against Thanos. We know that she's going to have her own show here. We don't know exactly what it will entail, but we know that it will be impactful enough to lead her into Doctor strange in the multiverse of madness which is the most insane title for any movie that i have come across in <laughs> quite some time patrick what do you think about the fact that they they really seem to be elevating this character do you think that reading a lot into into wanda and thinking about things like house of m for instance mm -hmm. some of the classic wanda maximoff stories is that going to start getting us thinking in the right direction for where marvel may be building towards with their next big saga i think so a i want to say that elizabeth olsen is fantastic just as an actress, but also in that role specifically. And then B, what we've been talking about, the character is, she's supremely powerful in the comics. And she is one of the most powerful people, characters, heroes, whatever it is, in the Marvel Universe. So uh, to see her kind of come into that in the MCU will be exciting. And I do kind of think that's the direction we're going into. What I worry about with some of these characters, like when they introduce Captain Marvel, is they're so powerful now and they're so overpowered that what is going to stand up against them? What's, a, what's an imposing threat to people like this? And it's exciting because I think it opens up this giant door that we kind of haven't done yet. Right now it's just kind of been Thanos. And now it could be a multitude of different things. And I kind of think that characters like Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch are the ones who kind of get us into that, more that mystical, hoary side of the Marvel Universe. We know that that WandaVision is going to lead us into the next Doctor Strange with Elizabeth Olsen appearing in Doctor Strange. That's been confirmed already. So the, the next Disney Plus show that comes after on the other side of WandaVision and Doctor Strange is going to be this Loki series, which was one of the first projects that had been reported about once this side of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was news of that was first starting to travel. I believe it was the it was WandaVision and Loki were, were among the first two that we that we heard about. Loki is going to take place on the other side of Doctor Strange, which again has this incredible subtitle. It's about the multiverse, the multiverse of madness. The last we see of Tom Hiddleston in Avengers Endgame is him as Loki from the 2012 era Avengers, a man who has not experienced anything past that. No Thor the Dark World, no redemptive arc in Thor Ragnarok, no neck break from Thanos in Infinity War. This Loki, the Battle of New York Loki, going off on some sort of mischievous misadventure. What is this going to lead us? into why does this have to exist other than the fact that tom hiddleston is fantastic and we love loki and this is a great way to have loki still in the mix do you think that this is going to be a little bit of a lark aaron or do you think that this show is going to have some sort of tangible impact on some of the the films and shows that will be coming up past the point of loki mm. it's tough because i i kind of hope that it's a lark because i'm i'm a little bit done with loki and you know there's even a line in infinity war you know i think he's going to stay dead this time so it's a little bit disappointing that he's coming back, even if it is a different one. 
you know, we've heard that maybe this is Loki traveling throughout time at important points in human history, something crazy like that. So, yeah, you know, I don't know, I don't know how this could uh, really affect the rest of the MCU. At the same time, it's kind of a shame if they have an entire series that doesn't actually matter for anything. So I am a hypocrite and am saying both. I guess I'm just not into this show that much. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I want to agree that Aaron is a hypocrite. Uh, and, <laughs> I, and then I'm also going to be one myself and completely agree with him. I, I This show is, has more question marks to me than the other ones somehow. It seems less important, but at the same time... I, I just don't understand why, and I want to see it at the same time. I love Tom Hiddleston and Loki. I think he's fantastic. I think having him be able to travel around through time and through space opens up a whole bunch of crazy doors where the character can kind of do anything. He's so enigmatic to watch that I'll kind of just watch him do anything. I just don't think we need this, and I don't know how it would tie in without just opening a can of worms that I don't really want to be opened. I like it more when Loki's dead, and him not being dead, the damage it does to Thor's character, as he is right now, I think is something that they shouldn't do. If Loki is not dead from Infinity War and comes back in this version somehow and ties back into the MCU with Thor as we know him now, I think it undoes a massive amount of that character's character arc. Yeah, I share the question marks about Loki, yet it is this next TV show coming to Disney Plus that has a literal question mark in the title, What If, which is Marvel Studios' foray into the animated world featuring voices from many of the actors who've brought these characters to life in live action on screen. Uh, and if we're talking about how Loki, you know, fingers crossed, and I agree, I think that it would be nice if this is sort of just a lark. Otherwise, I'm not really sure what the big impact of a series like that is going to be. We can't imagine, Patrick, that what if is going to like push us towards the next big Thanos, right? Like this feels, this one feels the most whimsical of them all, an animated series that is based on a great comic series and a great tradition in Marvel Comics that speculates on what if something happened differently? What if it wasn't Steve Rogers who becomes Captain America? What if it's Peggy Carter instead? What do we expect from this other than just a really fun cartoon series that we're going to be getting? I think it's going to be really fun. I do think that it's sort of them aiming at a... Uh, Marvel already has a young audience, but I think this is aiming at maybe even a younger audience, a more casual audience. Wouldn't it be insane, though, if this was one where a huge reveal came out of in this What If show that was animated? I do not think that's going to happen, but oh my god. Well, I think you said something that I hadn't picked up on before, but it's totally true that this is a good in for a younger audience. When I was a kid, I actually learned a lot of my Marvel history from the What If comics because it would you know, reference stories from the 60s or something. And the comics were really cheap because nobody wanted them anymore. You know, these were published in the 70s and 80s, and I could get them for a dollar at the comic book shop. So, yeah, maybe a kid who's 10 years old who wasn't alive for the first Iron Man can kind of watch these and, and kind of almost catch up on the movies instead of watching 22 movies so, and kind of get the mythology of what had happened and then see the, and then see the you know, alternatives. I think one one pattern that is emerging for me that you know maybe this this helps represent and helps further a case of what Marvel seems to be building right now is you do have WandaVision we wonder how much that show is going to potentially be about alternate realities what is Wanda able to invent with her you know her big picture ideas and her big picture powers we know that whatever happens in that series will lend Scarlet Witch into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness a movie that has multiverse right there for you in the title we know that the following series is going to be Loki where this is a multiverse 
different universe version of Loki than the one we have seen for most of our time in Marvel. So the multiverse trend is continuing there. And here with What If, we're talking about all of these different parallel universes where things could have gone differently. So so for me, it just it does feel like it's hard to know exactly what it is they are trying to set up. You know, it, it would be wonderful to be a fly on the wall of the brain of Kevin Feige and know exactly what he has up his sleeve. But it just feels like we are being set up for parallel universes kind of being the next big deal, even with the, you know, sort of a joking aside about it in the plot of Spider-Man Far From Home, that the the multiverse theory tends to, you know, turns out to be baloney from Mysterio, but it's yeah. in there. The fact that it's in there, the fact that it seems to be such a plot engine for some of these projects that we're talking about now for phase four, does it feel like this is the multiverse kind of the next Infinity Saga? Would the MCU have the gall to pull a fast one on us again and not introduce the multiverse. A second multiverse tease. <laughs> that would be so infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> it would be deeply frustrating. <laughs> well, you know, there's um, there's a great, well, it's, it's controversial, but I loved it, the uh, the 2015 Secret Wars, where the universes, there's there are incursions into the main Marvel universe, and multi- universes are being destroyed, and the heroes have to stop it, and basically... Everything dies except for two universes. I think that would be a great thing to build up to over the next, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to take 10 years, but I think that the the multiverse of madness kind of hints at maybe they're doing something like that. It's extremely dark, though, in the comics. You know, Black Panther and Reed Richards and these other guys decide, yeah, we're going to... We're going to destroy these alternate Earths in order to save our universe. So it's it's a super dark, and and uh, but it really it, it it was a great one though. I mean, it's the multiverse of madness, not the multiverse of sunshine, Aaron. So. Yeah, that's right. true. Some stuff's going to go down. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. All right. And then the last of the announced Disney Plus shows right now, it's Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton. He is going to be, whether or not he's passing the torch, he is at least training Kate Bishop, who is a great character from the comics, as a young, new Hawkeye. Do we expect that this is going to be setting the stage where I know a lot of Marvel Comics fans have been clamoring for it for years, some sort of young Avengers, or even if they can rebrand the young Avengers from from the comics as new Avengers? Is this something that you think is going to be set up for a future Marvel? movie or even uh tv series aaron yeah this this has to be young avengers because again you know you know gotta love jeremy renner but people don't really care that much about hawkeye but if he's you know if he has a cool character study show that actually has a a a strong point like this yes absolutely i think it has to be a young avengers setup yeah, I, I think that the, the Matt Fraction run that uh, they, they certainly took the logo from when they were announcing Hawkeye officially at Hall H. It's such a celebrated run, you know, Hawkeye, Pizza Dog, all of that fun stuff. And it, it basically shows, uh, you know, the street level sort of casual life of what it means to be Hawkeye and Clint Barton. The Clint Barton of the MCU, pretty different guy, much more tortured guy, family man when he has his family around. So you wonder if it's going to be a beat for beat, you know, sort of uh, adaptation of, of what fraction put out there with his take on hawkeye um what is but what, I'd, lo- I'd love to- did you say pizza dog i have not read this is yeah. that a character go go read hawkeye pizza dog i will say no more Okay, I'll I'll, I'll leave it there. People should buy comics for Pizza Dog, if for no other reason. All right, so do we expect that there's going to be multiple seasons of these different series, the way that the MCU, these movies have generated sequels? Do we think that this is going to be more of a one-and-done type of event? For instance, like, do you imagine that we are going to be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier Season 2? Or is this really just a set the decks for, for some of these characters for how they're going to be reintroduced in future films and this approach 
creating these, you know, six part, eight part series about these groups of characters, it's just going to be applied to different sets of characters along the way. What are your expectations, Patrick? I do not know how you can get actors like this to sign on for multiple seasons of these types of shows where they're playing characters that they've already played on the big screen. That said, I'm also shocked they got them to do this in the first place. So it's possible. I would lean more towards thinking that these are kind of one-offs, maybe not all of them, but certain ones. I think What If is one that could continue for a long time. But something like uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I don't know. Would there be multiple seasons of a show like that? I don't know why there would be. At a certain point, like, why would they not just have their own movie? You know, And if I was that actor, why would I be okay with just being relegated to the small screen now? Yeah, I think, it, I think look at the Captain America series as a guide because, sure, Captain America Civil War is a, a third Captain America movie, but it was really Avengers 2.5, right? And, you know, Winter Soldier was really Avengers 1.5 because you had a ton of Avengers in it. I think that, I don't think there will be something called Captain, you know, uh, Falcon and Bucky or uh, Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon, whatever it is, season two. I think, sure, those guys could pop up in another series, but I don't think, I don't think that's going to be what it is. So looking beyond Phase 4 a little bit, but what was already announced at Comic-Con, and this was really, this was the, the, the mic drop moment where Marvel announces that Mahershala Ali, he's going to be coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe again. Here he is going to be playing Blade. I have a two-pronged question. Actually, it's a three-pronged question. The first question uh, is really just how awesome is this Mahershala Ali as Blade? This was, this was so exciting to me. How excited are you guys about this? I'm trying not to curse on your podcast, but it was pretty... You can if you want to. Uh, I'll <laughs> save it, it until maybe later. <laughs> it was a big holy crap moment, and a lot of people lost their minds. I don't think anyone expected that. And if they did, they're lying to you. Yeah, it's, it's kind of to say, you know, I've said this a few times, any other panel, that would be the one, the one thing the studio had to bring out. This was after, you know... 10 announcements of really cool stuff, and then this is just a mic drop. That just shows you how far and above better Marvel is, honestly, at this stuff, these these presentations, than anybody else. You know, they're 10 times better than anybody else. It's it's insane. Yeah, and you guys have the great story up on Heat Vision about how this came together, and I, I love it so much that Mahershala Ali wins his second Oscar and says, Marvel, we have to talk. And, you know, basically says, I need to be Blade. And they're like, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> that works for us. What a great uh, position just, to be just, in. I <laughs> oh, mean, I yeah, want to be I'm, that superhero. Let me just give Feige a call. Yeah, but for everybody involved, I think it's just it's just the right call. I think I think this this next question it, it's it's sort of a it, it's not one that I'm too hung up on, other than what it might say about the future of of Marvel. I know that there are people you know people who loved the Netflix shows, or at least who really care so much about the fidelity of the continuity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So Mahershala Ali is already part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He played Cottonmouth on Netflix's Luke Cage. We know the Netflix days are done. Those shows. are are over, but we don't know if there may still be a future for some of these characters. We don't know if we will see, you know, Charlie Cox's Daredevil again. We don't know if we'll see Mike Coulter again as Luke Cage. I don't know that we'll see Finn Jones again as Iron Fist, but you never know if we're going to see Kristen Ritter again as Jessica Jones or all the other folks that were in their orbit at some point down the line in some future project. Either way, they played those characters, important characters, in shows that were billed as part 
of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So with that being said, with Mahershala Ali going from Cottonmouth in the MCU to now playing the iconic vampire-hunting vampire Blade here in what potentially is going to be his own movie, his own show, do we think that this is a signal that the Marvel Netflix Universe, it's just kind of cordoned off into its own little section of the multiverse? Are we reading too much into it? But do we think that there is a possibility that Daredevil, for example, could return at some point down the line in the MCU in a completely different capacity than we saw him in the Netflix shows. I think Daredevil will show up eventually. He's a very popular character. I do not think that an actor like Charlie Cox will be playing him. And I do think the Netflix Netflix shows kind of just like existed. You know, they weren't tied in really in the movies. They didn't really feel like part of the same thing. They weren't like the cool kids. And as good of a job or as not great of a job as some of these actors did in these lead roles I just don't really feel like they would still be around I think they I think they'll probably reboot more likely we'll get Ben Affleck again as Daredevil <laughs> crazier things have happened it's a great tradition in comics the retcon where you know what the, the past 15 years of stories that ah, you know just pretend that didn't happen I, I think that we are you know we're 11 years in I guess that maybe they won't publicly state this, but it feels like that's what they're doing, is that they're retconning it. However, you know, William Hurt showed up in The Incredible Hulk, and then he showed up in Captain America Civil War. I never would have thought that would happen. I thought, ah, they just kind of pretend that, you know, Ed Norton movie happened. So, you know, you never know. Maybe, I mean, it would be kind of cool if Kristen Ritter showed up in, in, in some role, but I just don't see it happening. We did get J. Jonah Jameson, too, with J.K. Simmons back. That's yeah. right. And that was not even That's in right. the MCU. Yeah, so you never know. What do we think that Blade is going to be? It seems like it's relegated to Phase 5, but do we think that it's going to be a Disney Plus series? Do we think it's going to be a movie? What, what do you think? Have, have you thought about the future of how Blade is going to factor into everything? And just how important is he going to be as a character, especially based on the reaction to it? Because it, it seemed like it really brought down Hall H, and it certainly crushed Twitter. It's got to be a film. I mean, you have a two-time Oscar winner. It seems weird yeah. that it would not be a film. Also, I think, because we have a Morbius the Living Vampire movie coming up as well, which is strange, but vampires? Vampires might be hot again. What Everything old is new again, Josh, <laughs> including vampires. I mean, and they're very, very old. <laughs> It's true, and I mean, that leads us into into some of the other things that were at least uh, lightly teased, if not outright confirmed, at Comic-Con this year. You know, as he was walking off stage, he said, you know, Kevin Feige says, we haven't even talked about Fantastic Four or or those mutants, you know, and, and Disney has acquired Fox, and these characters that have been at Fox for, for so long are going to be folded back into the MCU, and this was uh, among Feige's first comments on the fact that the Fantastic Four, a great, great institution of Marvel comics that has not exactly popped on screen with too much success in the past will be making their way back into uh, into the Disney fold and into the MCU proper. Patrick, how do you think that this is going to take shape? Do you think that Fantastic Four, X-Men, now in the MCU's hands, do we think that Marvel Studios will, will give that the feature film treatment, the Disney Plus treatment? Do you have a, a preference for, for how it would go if you had the keys to the kingdom? Um, I think Fantastic Four 100% will be a film. I think X-Men will probably also be a film, but it probably lends itself better to being a series, honestly, because there's so many X-Men. As to how they'll be introduced, Aaron has so many incredible theories about this that he's bounced off of me, and I think they're amazing. So, Aaron, tell <laughs> us. Or are you just let, making let, that up? Let, I don't actually no, you recall. You have. You told me I like do. 10 of them. 
Uh, let's see. What uh, what have I said before? Remind me. <laughs> Remind me of my brilliance. One was is that the snap that Thanos did it caused radiation, and that radiation is what led to the rise of the mutants. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's a good one. I think I, I like stole that, that from Reddit. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> I, I like the idea that the Fantastic Four have been travelers off in space or something or in a different dimension, and they're they just now come back and they're like, whoa, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah, I like that one too. And I, I know that uh, that that Peyton Reed had uh, been attached to Fantastic Four once upon a time. He's the he's the man with the keys to Ant-Man and the Wasp and, and the Quantum Realm and all of that. Uh, and there's some great history with uh, the Fantastic Four and the Quantum Realm from the comics. I like the idea that we could get Marvel's first family has been trapped in the Quantum Realm since the 60s. And maybe you can have some sort of Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly sneak Reed Richards and, and Sue Storm and Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm out of the Quantum Realm and into the MCU proper. Really, it doesn't matter much to me as long as we get Doctor Doom pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, how cool would it be if Doctor Doom was, I don't know if he has to be the big bad, but a, a Loki figure where he's in a lot of movies, he's doing all this stuff. I mean, he is just so cool. He's such a good character. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten yeah. him yet, that they've sat on something. I guess it's just the strength of the roster well, of characters tomorrow. he's a Fantastic Four character, so that's why. So well, we haven't been able to have him yet. Yeah. Well, that answered my but question. But you got, you've <laughs> got to imagine that he's going to be a huge part of, of whatever they're able to do. This is, I think Doctor, Doctor Doom is among the, the real holy grails of characters that Marvel Studios did not have access to for so long until very recently that even as we're you know you, you can think of him and the potential for him almost as an anti-tony stark as as marvel is starting to build up their next slate of films through these next couple of phases that that's absolutely a character as you say that could be seeded throughout so many different projects and certainly noah hawley uh, creator of legion had previously stated that he was writing a Doctor Doom film. That was back when Doctor Doom was still at Fox. Uh, I interviewed him a few weeks ago for Legion. He states that he's still talking to Kevin Feige about it. So a Doctor Doom movie could could potentially be in the cards, which, you know, sign me up for that. That sounds like an incredible He's such movie. a good writer, too, that I want to know what is in that script. And it'd be kind of cool to see how Kevin Feige would meld with him, right? I think those two together would be... They're, they're both so different, but... I think they could create something really interesting. I hope they that that'd be cool if it worked out. I also think it'd be fascinating to have a Marvel film that focuses on a villain. Yeah, they haven't done yeah, that, have they? Absolutely. That's a absolutely. cool idea. X-Men lineups, dream X-Men lineups. Whether it's a Disney Plus show, whether it's a whether it's a film now that this is going to be in Marvel Studios' hands. Patrick, Aaron, you've had to have thought about this. Are we oversaturated with Wolverine? Is Wolverine going to have to be in the mix just because he's so recognizable? What would you do with the X-Men if you had the chance? I say this publicly as often as I can. Richard Madden should be Wolverine. He's not going to be because he's in the Eternals as a different character, but he should have been Wolverine. Patrick will not <laughs> get over good. this. <laughs> You know what? You've convinced me, though. Yeah, Richard Madden for Wolverine. <laughs> Let's just make it happen. No, I think I think we do need Wolverine. I, Hugh Jackman was so great, but at the same time, you know, 17 years of uh, of the same guy playing the character, people think oh, it's it's too soon to reboot. But you know, we've only had one guy play it. I think I think something. I want to see the Kevin Feige version of Wolverine, especially such a violent, kind of despicable character. What does that look like in the bright, beautiful MCU? 
with Richard Madden otherwise occupied already in the MCU, this was a star-making turn for Hugh Jackman, who, you know, was, was this was his real breakout role. This is the moment that people understood what a Hugh Jackman even was and created such a massive career for that actor. Would you want to see Wolverine go to an unknown if it can't go to your beloved Richard Madden, uh, the <laughs> former king in the North? Or do you think that this is a part that should be occupied by uh, a movie star? I'd like to see an unknown taken on. I'm always in favor of, even if it's not an unknown, maybe somebody who hasn't gotten like a big shot at a studio feature or a leading role do it before. Like you said, this is what made Hugh Jackman Hugh Jackman. Uh, Wolverine in the comics is so much different than what Hugh Jackman made Wolverine into. And it would be interesting to watch more of a, um, not even just physically, you know, like the stockier build, but more of like a a pugnacious, like bulldog type actor take on this role, a a more aggressive version of Wolverine. Not that Hugh Jackman's isn't aggressive, but more of a, a not as likable version of it. Hugh Jackman is incredibly likable at the end of the day, no matter who he's playing. What is this all building towards? We've talked about this a little bit. We've talked about the multiverse as a possibility, but the Infinity Saga, it's over. And even with these new releases, do you guys have a sense of what the next Thanos is going to be? Is it as easy as it's multiverse dependent? It's some form of secret wars, which seems to be the popular theory. Are we going to get eaten by Galactus 10 years from now, which is uh, not exactly a hope of mine for my actual (laughs) fate, but maybe for my cinematic fate, I would be up for that. Yeah, what about, you know, the uh, the end of Spider-Man Far From Home? Nick Fury is look, looks like he's doing some sort of military building on a scroll ship. I mean, are we getting Kree scroll wars? Are we getting some sort of reverse secret invasion, you know? Um I don't I don't know. Anything for you, Patrick? It seems like uh, to Aaron's point of what he just said, it seems like whatever it'll be, it'll be a slight tweak of something from the comics. And I feel like they've set pieces up now that are they follow certain events in the comics but are so different already that they're they're going to flip it in a way that we might not expect. So it's hard to speculate, honestly. And until the Fantastic Four get in there, I, I don't know what it will be because I feel like they're such important characters that anytime they're introduced, whenever that may be, is going to drastically change whatever the trajectory of the entire MCU is. So let's talk about, we've talked about phase fours. We start to close out here on the podcast. I'd like to look ahead just a little bit at phase five. Do we think that it's going to follow a similar release structure to phase four, where we're talking about five films and five Disney Plus series over the course of, believe it or not, two years? Uh, There are still three release dates that have been planted by Marvel Studios that have unannounced titles. February 18th, 2022, May 6th, 2022, July 29th, 2022. A bunch of projects that have either been announced or at least teased, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel, Marvel 2, Guardians 3, now we know that Blade exists, Feige has talked about Fantastic Four and X-Men, you have to assume there's going to be another Spider-Man at some point. Call your shots, gentlemen, have you thought about a possible Phase 5 slate and what it would look like? For starters, I don't think this is all of Phase 4. It seems too, it's too short. All the other phases were much longer, and this, even though there's a lot of content in this phase, it, it's only two years or two and a half years at this point, whatever it is. So I think that there might actually be more added in to officially be Phase 4. In Phase 5, what I would say, this seems counterintuitive because we've gotten so big in the MCU and expanded into space and multiverses and all that. I would like to see more smaller stories and maybe the introduction of a big screen Daredevil or the Punisher on the big screen and more uh, smaller things on Earth because we're getting away from 
what I thought were the best films were the Captain America films, which were smaller. And even though Cap is a superhero, maybe not on the same level as even somebody like Iron Man who can fly wherever he wants to all the time. So I'd like to get more intimate stories in there. Or more, I don't want to use the word intriguing, meaning engaging. I mean intriguing, more like intrigue. Uh, smaller, more personal stories in the MCU. And I think that's a way to do it. And I would imagine we're going to get there at some point. Yeah, maybe, you know, we don't know how big Shang-Chi will be. He's obviously uh, facing off against the Mandarin, but I'm hoping that can be a, a smaller story. I mean, even Black Panther felt smaller in this, or more intimate, right, even though it was about the, the fate of a country. But something along those lines, I, I would like to see more of those. You know, my wife does not care at all about these movies, and she really liked Black Panther. She didn't need to see any of the other ones. She Black Panther was a standalone movie, so it would be cool to have a, a, a more more movies like that for that truly are, are standalones but also feel like they matter. Right, because even Spider-Man, the most recent Spider-Man, it's a standalone story and it's a little bit smaller, obviously, because it's Spider-Man, but there's so much Iron Man in that movie and like the it was the first movie post-Endgame, so there's a lot of that in there as well. Yeah. D23 is around the corner. Do we think that we're going to hear more announcements then or do you think that Marvel's kind of just going to let us let let us chill a little bit with what we have to chew on right now? Now we'll, we'll definitely see more because they don't go to D23 empty-handed. Um I mean, the D23 panels that I've been to are basically better than any almost any Comic-Con panel I go to. That's how seriously they take D23. So, yeah, I, I imagine Fantastic Four, X-Men, it's, it's entirely possible we'll get a title or something. We'll see some Black Widow footage, of course. So, yeah, there, there are definitely some more surprises that they are saving for that because they do not go to something unless they can really deliver. Sweet. Sounds like I'll have you guys back on in a month. Uh, <laughs> that, that'll that'll be fun once we have some more to talk about. Thank you both for joining me. I, I really appreciate it. You, you do, you're doing stellar work on Heat Vision, not just covering Marvel, but so many other different projects. Aaron Patrick, plug what you're passionate about. What, what can we find on Heat Vision? Where can we find it? And how can people follow you for more of what you're working on? You can watch our weekly video series, Heat Vision Breakdown, which is available online at uh, thehollywoodreporter.com, but it's also available on YouTube. We're on Instagram, and uh, we tweet out our videos as well. So pretty much everywhere you can find it. Yeah, and we've got a, a weekly newsletter. Um, it's, a, it's a great way to kind of get an overview of the week, but we always put exclusive stuff, exclusive scoops that you get there first, so it is a worthwhile read. So, um, yeah, if you go to pretty much any Heat Vision story, thr.com slash heatvision, you can find a sign-up box for that. All right, make sure to do that. They're doing stellar work, as is the whole Heat Vision team. As always, everybody, thank you for listening to Series Regular, the Hollywood Reporter's all-in podcast on genre television. Subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Send in feedback, as well as any and all shows suggestions by mailing us at seriesregular at thr.com your mcu predictions and wild theories i'd love to read them you can also hit me up on twitter as well at round howard until next time everybody excelsior, excelsior.